Hello. So you join us with a guest this week on this week's episode. This week, I've got Gavin, our head of nutrition, joining me. Gavin is going to take the lead on most of today. I'm just going to ask some questions. Um, this is this is one to get you to, to to know a little bit more about who Gavin is, what he does for level 10, and just just what he like who he is in general. And then the main focus of today's episode is going to be around eating disordered eating struggles with food struggles with how we talk to ourselves when our diet maybe doesn't go the best and then we'll just sort of see where the conversation goes so start off gavin tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so um i from ireland originally um i've moved to england 11 years ago, uh, joined the army. That's where I met yourself. Uh, we were in the army for many years. Um, I just left the army in October. I uh, started personal training and done a couple of nutritional advisor courses. Hopefully one day um, go down the line of becoming a qualified nutritionist. Uh, that's, that's kind of my passion around. I love anything to do with fitness. I've uh, been professional footballer in the past and stuff like that and PTI within the army. But my real passion is around food and, and nutrition and stuff like that. So, fantastic. So yeah, me and well, we were through started training together, didn't we, uh, in the army? So it's we've known each other from from day one in the army, and always just connected over fitness and stuff, really, didn't we? And and um, yeah. it was sort of a no brainer that you were coming out and and getting into fitness that we were going to do some stuff together. And then when you had done the nutrition qualifications. Because it is, I know it's it's always been your strong point, definitely around fitness. Um, that's why you're now part of the team, and yeah. you've had a huge impact with with our clients already, and new clients that you've got working with are, are singing your praises as well. So that's fantastic. It hasn't always been that way, though. Um, no, definitely not. No. So tell us a little bit about your like history with food, history with diet, because it hasn't always been. A perfect, perfect no. relationship with food. Yeah, not really. No, um, whenever I used to play, I've played football from a very young age, and um, I was always one. I was always someone that would have trained really hard, um, but then my diet was never aligned with that. I didn't really understand anything about nutrition. Um, looking back, I didn't get. We didn't get the best of nutritional knowledge, um, not to what I think it should be now. When I look back what it is now we're kind of left our own devices a little bit but I was always trying to I always would you know the way that people try and they'll try and get the the small details right now um they'll, they'll get whatever supplements rather than getting the basis of their diet I was always kind of like that I, I always trying to fix the small details without really fixing the the whole problem um but it was it, the the disorder eating really kind of started around whenever I was I became a PTI in the army. So whenever I became a physical training instructor in the army, because with that we would, I would be taking. Just tell people a little bit about that. You might not know what a what what that job entails. Yeah. So uh, basically, you're, you're uh, doing the fitness for company level, which would be around about ninety or hundred guys. Maybe platoon level, which you might take sessions of thirty guys, and then sometimes you're even uh, on battalion level, which there'd be hundreds of males and females. Um, on the lesson so anything between military combat style training to just sessions in the gym to runs to weighted runs tabs things like that 
any kind of combat PT really. Just getting uh, troops ready for deployment and and day to day general fitness. Uh, but my my issues, I would say, with food really um, started around that time. I think it just became it just came with the the pressures of of being out in front of such a large group of people and not really feeling like I was someone to train really hard. But my my physique wasn't where I felt it. Probably it looking back, it actually wasn't that bad. But it was uh, my my impression of what a that person yeah. should be and probably thinking what other people think that person should be the elite of the elite and yeah, you know, like a super, super soldier almost. Yeah. So my problems came with there and I started to get quite restrictive about my food. I would, I would cut out food groups. I would say I'm not having this. And, and that kind of led to me, that's when the kind of binge eating really started and it came, I know now a lot more about it, but I didn't really at the time and it went through this cycle where I would, I would be really restrictive and I would have set goals and I would be working really well towards those goals for maybe a couple of weeks. And then I would just, out of nowhere, would just have this binge where I would completely undo everything that I've been working towards. And it didn't really make much sense to me because it wasn't what I wanted. Like, well, I had my goals and I was working towards those goals and everything in my life, day to day, I was doing extra steps. I was doing PT and then I would self-sabotage myself and I didn't really understand why. And then I would, get really annoyed with myself, which then led to even more restrictions. So I'm sure people can relate to that, where if they've had a bad Friday night and that rolls into Sunday, and then they say they're going to start again Monday. Well, they don't start again Monday from a normal point. They start from saying, I'm going to have even less food than I did yeah. last week because I need to catch up. So it's that's that ultra restriction that comes from whenever you do. It's And then it just creates this cycle. And whenever you do ultra restrict you're kind of setting yourself up for the next binge around the corner so with me it was i didn't i didn't even realize i was doing it for a long time um i didn't realize that that it was disordered eating or anything like that. i just thought being in the army and having that kind of mentality i just thought yeah. oh, i'm just maybe i'm just a little bit weak you know and, and i'm blaming myself and yeah 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 then my willpower is not strong enough and i wish i could be stronger and, and then i would just and having that mindset where it was my fault and blaming myself for that action never really led me to open my mind to other up other possibilities that it might yeah. be something else to play. So I was just constantly my reaction to that would be to restrict even more because yeah. I thought it's me, because it's down to me. Really, so I need to you were, Yeah. Because you're just not yeah, strong so. enough to resist this urge to eat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's that's a big misconception people have where it's just all everything's just down to willpower and there's nothing you can yeah. really do. You're either, you're either a good dieter or a bad dieter, and you, yeah, you know you're either strong minded or weak minded. And and those people that are s slim are just very like dedicated and, yeah. and strong willed, strong minded. But um, with me, yeah. So what I would do, say, if I I used to I used to live up in the northeast. I do now again. But at that time, I was living in the northeast. I was living with my ex partner, and I would have I'd be working Monday to Friday in Shropshire, and I would drive the four or five hours up up to Durham, and then on Friday night we would then maybe get a Chinese or something. You know, after but my week would be like I would be almost like an athlete Monday to Friday, and I would be doing lots and lots of fizz, uh, both in work and then out of work as well. That's all I was really doing. My diet was really good at that time. How you? I say good, it was probably 
what people think of now whenever they think of a good diet. You know, yeah. it's just eating really, really, really clean. There was no variation in it. Like it was, yeah. it was a good diet in terms of it was probably a bodybuilder diet. Yeah, which, as we know, isn't really a a, a normal diet uh, for for a day to day people. But um, so then I would get home, and then as soon as I would feel like I've almost failed in a way, I'd, I'd give in. She's texted me and said, "I'll I'll order a Chinese." And then that to me then has felt like I've sort of failed on my objectives. And it would lead to me then not just eating, not just eating a lot at the weekend, but almost eating to punish myself because I failed. And it le- leads to the point where I was eating, even though I don't want to eat, you know, it's like, it's almost, you're yeah. almost punishing yourself with food. Uh, where do you think that, that sort of, where do you think that like self-sabotage come from? Um, just from the, me telling myself that, the only way to the only way to achieve is to have this ultra restrictive mindset. And as soon as I had broken that ultra restrictive mindset, I, I just sort of self sabotage myself. Then I would I, I heard this an analogy one time. Uh, it was quite a good one. And it was about if you're say that that mindset or that um, approach where if you break your diet on a Friday, you just think, oh, I'll start Monday again. Yeah. So you, you just forego Saturday and Sunday and just eat whatever you want. And that would be the equivalent of someone driving along the motorway and getting a flat tire and getting out and slashing the other three instead of yeah. instead of just changing the tire and moving on, like taking Friday as I've just had a bad day today and starting afresh. Yeah. You've you know you've ruined your whole weekend and you've started you're starting Monday then from a point where you're eating much much more. What where where I got to a good point was where I started having those Monday to Friday. I would still. I was still in the mindset where I wanted to be in a decent deficit because I was trying to uh, cut body fat at the time. But Saturday, Sunday didn't become... Saturday, Sunday had more... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? But more of an approach, really. I, I didn't yeah. I didn't try and eat in a deficit those days because I understood that that wasn't really feasible because I'm not going to do the same amount of output. So I would have an acceptable surplus. I would try and eat at maintenance, but I would have an acceptable surplus of under 500 so yeah. Saturday and Sunday where to the point where if you've had a good deficit Monday to Friday maybe you've only just taken a little bit away from that at the weekend and then you start again Monday rather than what I was doing was I was probably gaining weight because it was I was in a deficit Monday to Friday which is five days so it feels like you're always on a diet I know yeah. some people can feel like they're always on a diet and not getting anywhere because they're dieting most of the time but the times when they're not dieting they're they're making it up and more. You know, they're they're yeah. overeating so much that they're undoing all their good work. So you can feel like you're on a diet for months or half your life and you're not really getting anywhere. Because yeah. the bad days are completely overriding all the good days. I think as well, just to go back to something you said earlier, this is something I've seen time and time again is that like what you've done is set these really high standards for yourself in the week. And then they're just not maintainable over the weekend, over Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because you, you, you're in a different environment. You're, you're around like your, your girlfriend at the time and your habits and your routines change, but you're still holding yourself to the same standard as you would Monday to Friday. So that when you don't meet those standards, you it, it it's like, okay, well, I'm not good enough. I've not met this yeah. high standard that I've set. And when I think all of us, when we start, we start from a position of, of low self-worth. Like we don't value ourselves very highly. We don't, 
set big goals when we first get into fitness because we, we don't think we can reach those big goals. Like there's absolutely no way when I first started in the gym, I would have signed up to the Keltman and done 250 kilometers and thought that I could do it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So when we set these like really restrictive, low calorie stuff through the week, it's it's achievable if the environment suits. And if you're around a load of soldiers and you are like the the pinnacle of fitness within the battalion, you're supposed to be leading everyone else it's kind of easy to go, right, okay, well, that's my job. Like, I've only got this food in. I've only got access to this fridge. And then when you go home, it's not that. You're not this person anymore. And it's yeah. easy to go, well, I should be. Yeah. Then, yeah, well, for me, whenever I went home, because my partner, my girlfriend at the time, she wasn't really into fitness. So I was, I could still be that pinnacle of fitness. Yeah. Even though I'm not living that way. Yeah. And I think that's, like, a lot of our self-doubt comes from us breaking promises to ourselves. Like, you don't believe yeah. you can do things because when you say you do stuff, you don't achieve it. But then if you set unrealistic goals that you just can't maintain on a weekend, like you can't maintain that restrictiveness over a weekend where you are chilling out, where you're relaxing, you're breaking that promise without really realizing it. And every time yeah. you do that, you break that self-worth down a little bit more. Yeah, you lose confidence in yourself. Yeah, it's like, well, if I can't even fucking do that, I can't even fucking stick to my calories on a Saturday where I'm fucking shit then, aren't I? Yeah, and then straight away, it's like, what's the point? I'll yeah. just, I'll, I can eat whatever I want. And uh, For me, the, the, the whole thing, of, I would never, I got to the point where I wouldn't eat anything bad in front of anybody. So I would... I would eat to a certain extent whenever I went home with my girlfriend and stuff, but I was eating much more. Say I would go to the shop and I'd get breakfast for us, and I would be eating. You know, I would use that window where I'm completely yeah. on my own to eat. I was secret eating, and I've had it where I've been in the army, where I've been sitting on a toilet seat eating chocolate bars so that nobody can see. You know, I've I've thought someone's coming because of communal toilets. I've thought yeah. someone's coming into the toilet, and I've just like stopped frozen because they want to hear them. Like who people think who's a freak rattling uh, rappers on the toilet like yeah. <laughs> got got to the point where it's quite bad really and it's it, that's just because of the things I'm telling myself just that I need to do that or I need like I cannot be seen it's the end of the world if someone sees me eating anything wrong and I need to be this pinnacle of fitness but for me whenever I would be in those periods where I was ultra restrictive and I would. If I if I had a bad Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and because I used to cut like a calorie count, so I, I knew exactly how many calories I went over. So say for example, if I was six thousand over my my calories for the weekend, so I'm like right, well I've put on nearly two pound there. So this week now Monday to Friday, I'm going to lose that and more. So I want to get back into a bit of a, a deficit over the course of the week. So for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I would be doing insane amount of steps. There was times where I would have been doing 50,000 steps. So I would have been walking for about 10 hours a day. And then I'd be doing a gym session as well. And it just consumed my life. And anything else that I had to do seemed like a, a task, a chore. And, you know, I wouldn't, I, it would be all focused because I, yeah. the reason that it was so overwhelming and over consuming is because whenever I was doing that, it wasn't just a case where I've got to Monday and I'm like, Right, I've I've eaten six thousand calories more. I'm gonna now make that back, and then just go and do it, and that's that's fine. That would have been one thing, but the whole time that I was doing it, 
I was telling myself about how terrible I was for doing that again. And it yeah. was all this horrible talk and real, you know, talking to myself really, really nasty as if there's real hatred there. It'd be kind of yeah. like if someone, it'd be like if, if I did that there and you were coaching me and then on Monday came and I told you what I'd done the weekend and you're just texting me constantly for three days saying, you're awful. Like, why yeah. did you do that? You know we're trying to get to this point. Why did you do that? And that's how I was speaking to myself constantly. And that just eats away at you. And it was only really once I, like I had to go, to, I had to go for counseling and stuff for this. I got di- diagnosed with bulimia because I was binging and then doing the ultra restrictive yeah. as well. Uh, and whenever I went to counseling, that was the first time it was really explained to me because I didn't really know what I, I was doing all these things, but I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I didn't really know. I thought, I knew it wasn't that normal, but I didn't think it was, you know, hey, this thing, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think it was that extreme really. But then once, once I'm sat there and I'm explaining it to someone and they're kind of picking me points and going, do you not see how that's this? I'm like, oh yeah, 100%. Like, and yeah. I think, how did I not see that? Like, it's, it's quite strange. Whenever you're in it, you don't really see it. I'm sure yeah. there's people that do it. My mum's, my mum's a binge eater. It's like she's yeah. got binge eating disorder. And I give her a book. And then she came to me and said, "That I do have that, but she's had it. She's had it since yeah. I was a kid, and I, I know she had it, like, but she didn't know. So I think yeah. until you really books are a brilliant one. There's lots of good books on uh, binge eating disorder and bulimia and stuff like that, and they give you kind of step by step on how to do it. And the big thing is with breaking that, breaking that how you speak to yourself and that punishment and that." By keeping the, that cycle going, by punishing yourself and then restricting, you're gearing yourself up for the next binge because you can't live like that. And it's not just it's not just restrictive in terms of what what foods you can't have. So restrictive would mean that your your calories are super low to what they should be. Or if you're saying I'm not going to have carbohydrates because they're bad, yeah. you're restricting food groups or you're restricting types of food. Uh, but it's also the mindset where you're just constantly telling yourself, I can't have this or I can't have that. Like An example would be, say, this time of year, there's loads of food in the workplace and stuff. And even just a mindset thing, say if someone offers you a biscuit, your answer is straight away, no, I'm on a diet. It's just it's kind of a negative mindset where you yeah. could just go, nah, I only really allow myself stuff like that at the weekend. And or, you know, I, I don't have that type of biscuit or ju- just little things like how you speak to yourself. Just, change just that the straight, away, straight away to go to, I'm on a diet. You start to feel bad about yourself and then yeah. almost get back into that pattern of, why am I always on a diet? Like, I'm, I'm always Sarah that's on a diet or, yeah. or whoever, you know. Yeah, yeah the, the restrictive mindset. And it, once I broke that, I still, I still suffered from the binge eating. And then it was almost worse because it was like, oh, well, I'm not even doing anything about it now. So I'm still yeah. binging. But I, I did cure the bulimia because I wasn't doing the, I wasn't really punishing myself in the same way. I wasn't, if it did have it, I just told myself, I'm just in recovery. Do you know what's going to happen? Yeah. It'll take a while before I can cut this out completely. And if I do gain a bit of weight, so be it. Because in the long run, it's going to cure an eating disorder that's gone back now eight years, I would say, seven yeah. or eight years. Um, so yeah for a while it was still the, the binge eating really but to stop that to, to, that's a harder one to stop really it's easier to stop the, the counteracting to it I know some people I know a girl I've spoken to a girl recently who takes laxatives yeah and 
as a coping mechanism for, and then I explained that doesn't work. That doesn't do anything to you. you know, it doesn't break down any calories. Yeah. Uh, you don't lose any calories in your waste. So in your waste products, that is. And um, so by doing that, you might feel less bloated, but that's literally it. You're not losing any calories. Same with uh, people that throw up. It's not actually yeah. doing anything. But still, it's still, she still was like, oh, it just makes me feel better. Yeah. You know, so it's, even though it doesn't work and I've just told her it doesn't work, it's still a hard thing to break. So breaking that initial thing at the start. And then when it comes to the binge eating, it's just about basically, I think that the not restricting definitely helps as well. So I've spoken to someone recently um, and I, I had a look at their calories and I said, your calories are too low. Do you know, that's, that's why you're binging. That's why you're going off or you're gaining weight is because your calories are set too low. So just by bringing it up a little bit and even say bringing it up from what it was to what it is now and then that being, that could be foods that they really like. You know, say if there's someone that likes a Snickers, you just yeah. go, right, I'm going to give you a Snickers every single day for the whole week. Yeah, and that's yeah, going yeah. to make up the calories that we've just added you in. So that that decreases the chances then of them having lots and lots of Snickers whenever they, on a Friday, when they break their diet, their restrictive yeah. diet, and they just go to their their pleasure food or their, their trigger food, they're having a little bit every day. So there's lots of little things you can do to, to break the binge eating, really. Not being so ultra-restrictive and no, like telling yourself it's a process. It's not going to be... that a, a big problem, I think, with a lot of people that you, you'll see as well coming through the doors, they want everything now. And yeah. that's, that's can, that can kind of trigger it as well because... They want they didn't they didn't gain the weight overnight, but they want to lose the weight overnight. They yeah. want to be at that end point right now. And they think the quickest way to do that would be to have a thousand calories a day and have chicken and broccoli, uh, lettuce, you know, all the kind of diet foods really and get themselves on a restricted diet. And then that's only gonna to lead to the binge eating. So by drawing that back a little bit and eating more balanced, getting every kind of food group in, being satisfied in each meal and, and avoiding trigger food really can, can stop the binging i think um, yeah definitely i think that's a one of my clients said this earlier in the week um is that like they've been struggling with their weight all their life like they've always been overweight for as long as they can remember and they've been working with us at level 10 for 12 months and she was like 12 months ago just never ever thought I'd be able to lose any weight at all because there's 20 plus years of of evidence supporting the fact that I'm just going to stay overweight. So there's 20 years of, of habits here and there's 12 months of habits here and it's, it doesn't balance the scales out no matter how good you are in those 12 months. It's it's 20 years and I think a lot of people do forget that. Like you, the way I explained it to her was like a set of scales and uh every good decision you're just moving a pebble from one end to the other and just reverting back all those poor decisions that you've made over the last 20 years but it's going to take time before that scales balance before you can start tipping that scale in your favor but that doesn't mean stop and, and stop trying to make all these decisions because every little good decision you do make you tip that scale a little bit more and it's a long road yeah. no one's coming to us going uh Oh, I've been smashing this for 20 years. I'm I'm really, really good. They wouldn't they wouldn't need us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
So yeah, I think that's really important. Is it is it's just a lot of tiny decisions that in the moment probably yeah. don't feel like the, they're doing very much. The 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 disorder eating, I think, is in a lot more people. I know this now from doing like reading the books and doing the the counselling and the therapy and stuff like that. It's a lot more prevalent than people realise. Like I didn't realise I had a, yeah. quite a serious eating disorder, but I think even the, the the basic, the more basic ones, is a lot more prevalent than people think. So people being more open and aware to it can only help because me having an awareness and having an yeah. understanding of how it works and how I keeping it going has, has helped me to break it. But if I didn't have that, I would just, it was going to keep going as long as I under, started to understand. My, yeah. um, we'll sorry, link, for, for everyone listening to this, we'll link in the description um, some books on like learning about eating disorders and disordered eating and stuff so that you can go away and obviously further educate yourselves on that, obviously creating greater awareness for yourself, you'll be able to yeah. make better changes in your in your own lifestyle and habits and mind and stuff as well. So we'll get Gavin to, to list some of those in the description as well. Hundred percent, yeah. The the one that I the one that I read, the first one that I read through is probably the better one. I'll uh, I'll get the name of it and stuff. I've got it in the uh, box there. But uh my, whenever my mum read that as well, it was a light bulb moment for her. She's yeah. She's near 60 now. She's when I was growing up, my, my whole time growing up, my mum was going to Weight Watchers, like probably a lot of women that age did a lot now still do, women and men. And that was my first sight. I was literally watching an eating disorder every single week. She would she would get weighed on, I think it was a Wednesday. And there would be some days where just due to their lifestyle, she would try and get in the morning. So she would not eat in the morning. She would go and get weighed at about 10 o'clock or whatever it was. And then she would be quite positive because she got weighed in the morning. She yeah. might have lost maybe a little bit, say if she's lost two pounds that week. But then there'd be other weeks where she can't get in the morning. So she has to get in the evening. So she would try and starve herself all day long because she's just scared of the food that she's eating is going to impact this scale. But let's say she couldn't do that. Let's say she's about to four o'clock. She has eaten something. Well, she'd be coming home from work at six o'clock. I'd be doing my homework and she's pacing around the kitchen or the living room while we're doing our homework yeah. and I'm like what are you doing she's oh I'm getting weighed at seven so I need to like burn off a few extra calories like last minutes burning like, calories frantically say, say then if she came back and she put on four pound which doesn't even make sense anyway because we all know about body fat is a pound of body fat is 3,500 calories so if you're putting on four pound in a week of fat then that's 14 1,400 calories in a surplus over the course of the week, that's a lot of food, really. That and you've probably done zero output, really, to get yeah. that. It's quite difficult, quite difficult to do, really. I feel like you'd have to actually try and put on that much weight. But she would, she would then talk about, you know, oh, this one was looking at me funny, or this one made this comment. This one lost four pounds, and I gained four pounds. So that's eight pounds swing. So they're great, and I'm terrible. Yeah. And straight away, that goes into you know a bad week would lead up to ultra restriction would lead to me watching my mum then suddenly eat half nothing because she wants to have a better week next week she doesn't want to yeah. be embarrassed and ashamed in front of everybody again so I think stuff like that massively sets people up anybody that I've ever spoken to that I work with now or I've spoken to in the past that has come from a background of that's been what they've done it just they all have massive signs yeah. of eating disorder or disordered eating because it just it sets you up for that people 
Weight Watchers don't want you to be a success story. I know that they'll have success stories in magazines and stuff. They'll have like one, but they, for every one success story, they've got thousands of yo-yo dieters that yeah. they've created that they keep coming back week upon week upon week and they don't That's want it. you to succeed. They want you to keep paying their membership fee every week. That's it. The business model is built on you coming back to them year in, year out. Um, exactly, yeah. I think that's that's a really important one, and it's why, yes, we get all our clients to weigh themselves, or we get the majority of our clients to weigh themselves, but we do measurements and photos, and we track progressions in the gym, and we ask you, like, the wins you've had in the week outside of your diet and outside, like, what's been the biggest... The first question on, our, on my check-in for my clients is, what's the, what's the biggest win this week? Because there's so many things that you're doing right but if you've come from a background of dieting or Weight Watchers or Slimming World or anything that attaches sins to food, like, oh, I can't eat that, the sins in it. It's just the most yeah. baffling thing in the world. Like, yeah. you then attach all of your, like, one, a week is never a tick in the box, good or bad. There's no such thing. You don't have a good week or a bad week. There's a load of decisions that you made that moved you towards your goal, and there'll be some decisions that you made that didn't move you towards your goal and it's about finding more positives than negatives each week yeah. but if your whole value of like your your determining factor at the end of a week when you get to friday is did my was my week good well what did the scales say like stepping away from that is ridiculously hard but it's it's like it's critical it's the, yeah. the essential tool that you all need to understand is that it doesn't fucking matter. Do you know what I mean? Nah. And there's so many other things going on. Can you can you look for other wins? Okay, so the scales haven't moved sound, but look at all the other stuff that has moved. You're stronger. Yeah. Your rest and heart rate to come down. You didn't eat all all of the food on your kid's plate at the end of the shift, at the end of the day when you took the food out to the kitchen, like that's a win. Do you know what I mean? Like 100%. little things like that. Um, 100%. Do you know, whatever, sorry, to just go back to the the recovery from eating disorder, something I forgot to actually mention, which was a big one, which was to trigger foods and stuff. And what I thought whenever I would, whenever I would try and rectify my eating myself, I would, I would um, find a trigger food, say, the things I used to tell myself was like, I used to, I don't know, you know them caramel digestive biscuits? Love them. Yeah. But I used to tell myself I can't have one. I have to have the whole packet. So before I've even opened the packet, I'm telling myself I have to have the whole packet because that's just me. Yeah. Whereas whenever you're in the recovery from an eating disorder, something that they get you to do, which is, which is brilliant, and it breaks that habit completely, is to one food per week. So say if, I, I was to do it and you do it with like less worrying foods less anxious foods first you may say you wouldn't start with your most anxious food like for me that might have been me I wouldn't just get a packet of biscuits on Monday and say right I'm going to this packet is going to last me say there's 14 biscuits in it it's going to last me 14 days because I'm going to have one biscuit per yeah. day you'd start with something that maybe maybe isn't your absolute favourite thing in the whole world like a Kit Kat or something for me might be where I'll have one Kit Kat per day and then I'll build up eventually the following week and I'll go, right, this week I'm going to get a Kinder Bueno. I'm going to have one stick per day of Kinder Bueno. And that was a really, really good thing to eliminate my fear of those foods. So my fear of those caramel digesters would have been that 
I just can't have them in the house because I will eat them. They yeah. just cannot sit in my cupboard because I am a weak person and I don't have the ability to resist. But then by by building up to it and having like one biscuit per day, now you overcome my, I don't have a fear of those biscuits anymore because I know I've got the power to have one biscuit a day if I want. But yeah. that didn't happen. That, that was quite a slow process. It didn't really happen overnight where it was just week upon week of success. So oh, this week, I'm going to have a brilliant week of just eating one Kit Kat per day. Next week, brilliant week of eating one digestive. Some weeks you're like, oh, I've failed. But then even that failure and not beating yourself up about that failure is still progress. So there's still progress in it really because I wasn't, because it was the first, not the, I think I had a good couple of weeks the first week and then the third week and I might've been like bad week. And then I went bad week again. In my mind, bad week in that sense was because I didn't stick to what I had said I was going to stick to. Not necessarily a bad week, but just bad in terms of I failed at what I was trying to do of having one thing per day. Yeah. But for me, it was very, very helpful then to go, you know what? I'm in recovery of an eating disorder. I've tried my best. I had two good weeks there. I'll just get back on the horse and I'll start again. And by doing that, then you build up a bit of confidence, like you're saying, with the confidence, keeping promises to yourself. Yeah. But when you don't keep promises to yourself, it's it's very important not to like be nasty to yourself and think of yourself as the worst human being in the world. It's not always, things aren't always like that. There's other factors that go on in your life. Because if you're someone that has always related food to emotions, so say every time you're sad, you've had chocolate, well, you've, you've created this neural pathway in your mind where that's that's a given. Every time you're sad, then you think chocolate because that yeah. neural pathway is there. So that takes a lot to get, that takes a lot of breaking. So it's important not to really beat yourself up about that because it's something that you've ingrained over many years. And then to, you need to create a new pathway then. So if that every time you're sad, you go for a walk, yeah. then that becomes your pathway or you know whatever it is that you do. So those things are very powerful where they just happen without every time you're sad, I create, because I do that as well. That's me. But I've I've learned to change that over time, just creating new habits. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? This is, this is where, again, the further understanding comes in is that if you can understand the why you're better able to, to change that habit. So the reason we reach for chocolate when we're sad is because our brain's searching for that serotonin, that dopamine response to counter yeah. the, the the sad feeling that it doesn't want. Your brain's a really fucking simple thing. It, it's not as it's actually really simple. We, like it does some amazing stuff, but your brain is simple. It goes, reads all this information of sad events, stressful events. You feel shit. Okay, let's go and open up our little book of all of the things that we know that make us feel good. What's the easiest one on that? Because your brain just wants the simplest, quickest solution. Well, chocolate makes us feel good. When we eat chocolate, we get a big hit of dopamine. We get a hit, big hit of serotonin. And I put chocolate in the cupboard. Well, I'll go and do that then. There's a list yeah. of, there's a list in your brain of a load of other things that create serotonin and dopamine. But that's the easiest one. Yeah. You go to it. That's, that's what you've always done. Because yeah. you've always done that one before you've even gone anywhere further down the list. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the most powerful that screams at you. Yeah. Listen, this works. We know this works. It works all the yeah. time. So it's about, like you said there, knowing knowing that that's what you do and then going, okay, well, what other stuff do I do that feels good? Like, what makes me happy? Like, and it, it could be stupid shit. So this is why I feel, this is why I love journaling. I know you've been to 
like counseling and stuff and they've got you to, to do journal and stuff and they've got you to answer like difficult questions. And this is why I, I tell people all the time, tell, tell you guys listening to this to, to journal these uncomfortable questions so that you can uncover yourself, why you do these things and realize like, okay, well I, I binge eat great or like, Oh yeah, I do always reach for chocolate when I'm sad. Literally sitting down for five minutes on, on when you've got five minutes spare and writing on a piece of paper. The last time I reached for chocolate when I was sad, what else makes me happy? Like, what could I do instead? And actually taking the time to, to, to go through that and go, well, I could go and just play with my kid. I could go and play with the dog. I could go and like watch my favorite film, listen to my favorite song, anything that you've got that you know that like, I love that. That thing makes me feel really happy when I could just be looking at a picture or something stupid. It doesn't really matter. I know if I'm really stressed, something like I've just literally before recording this car crash, before recording this podcast, I've crashed the car, literally crashed the car driving home. I come in, was really stressed. But because I've gone through this previously and I know that my triggers for stress, well, what can I lean on? One of them is just going and sitting with the dog. And I literally just sat on the floor when I come in the house and just sat and just stroked him for a little bit. And I know that calms me down. I know that makes me feel good. And it's had the same response as eating some chocolate. It's the same internal chemicals have happened. More dopamine, more serotonin, less cortisol, feel better. I've took the time beforehand to know that that's a way I can cope. If you haven't yeah. taken the time out to think of that beforehand, when you're not in the situation, you won't have it there when you're in the situation. Cause your brain's just looking for quick fix. Feel like yeah, you won't have the foresight. You won't have the foresight yeah. to think about that. It's because the chemicals, those chemicals that are telling you and screaming chocolate that want that quick fix are really powerful. So yeah. you won't have the time. It'd be like trying to think of something in the middle of a, a sandstorm. Yeah, you, yeah. you just want the quickest way out, so you're going to do that. But unless you ha have pre-thought about it, like I said, and you know exactly what's going to help, then you can kind of go, oh, well, actually, remember I said I was going to try that next time? So you go and do that instead. You really do have to figure these things out. Whenever, See, whenever you don't realise and you don't have forward planning, like I said, I had an eating disorder for six years. I didn't realise yeah. until I was told... Until I went and I got uh, an assessment and I got a, I remember getting the letter that day and reading it and it said bulimia and I was like, what? And then I started reading it and I was like, oh yeah, that, do that does sound like bulimia, all right. And Because I, I was reading her assessment and it was all, because I just went and I spoke to this doctor and I was just open and honest and told her everything. And I remember I remember going back because it was, it was a, a kind of a dark time in my life. I was quite depressed. So I was thinking I was going to talk about depression and stuff. But she was asking me questions about everything. And I remember going home that night telling my girlfriend, she was asking me quite a lot about food and stuff, and I don't even know why. She was asking me about food and the gym and everything, and I don't even know why she was asking me that kind of stuff. And then whenever I got the report, I was like, wow, I actually didn't realise that. No. So if you are journaling, though, it, it, you will realise it a lot better. Because if I had been journaling then, I probably would have realised, wow, this is actually pretty mental yeah. stuff that I'm doing here. It doesn't, it's not normal. But I wasn't journaling, really. I wasn't. I was just going with the flow and I was just living life fast paced. I wasn't really thinking about what yeah. I was doing. And that's what 90, 90% of 99% of people do initially. And that's why, that's why we exist as coaches is to yeah. help you create that greater awareness. We don't have the solutions. We're just helping you become more aware of your behavior and then, 
giving you tools to to, to change that behavior and, and, and give you the, the positive changes that you need. So with that, I want to give you guys like a, a, a positive tool to go away and start creating that greater awareness. And I just want you, if you're listening to this and if it's resonated, if you're like, yeah, I'm, I think I do some of this stuff. I think like I can relate to that. I can relate to, to eating too much food on the weekend or like going over my calories and then being really like negative towards myself and talking down stuff, whatever it is, if there's been something in this episode that you've, you've, you thought oh, I do that. I want you to spend some time over the next couple of days, block out half an hour, just sit with a pen and paper. I want you to ask yourself the last time that that happened. Just write down what happened. Like what was the, what led up to it? What emotions were you feeling? And what was the belief you had about yourself in that moment? So let's say, for example, it was like Gavin saying about um, not not being able to stick to his calories when he went home to his girlfriend on a Friday. And the belief there was that he'd let himself down, that he wasn't good enough, that he wasn't holding himself to this higher standard of, of an army PTI. Like, what was your belief in that moment? Write that down. To help you, I want you to start the sentence with, so the last time that happened, your belief was, I, I am, or I'm not. So for Gavin, that could have been, I'm not good enough. I'm not in good enough shape to be a PTI. Or I'm not good. Yeah. I'm not. I don't have the best willpower. I'm weak. Things like that. And then I want you to follow that up with because. So I'm not. I don't have the best willpower because whatever it is, I'm just not good enough at dieting or I'm just not worthy enough to be in good shape, whatever that, that belief is. And then finish that sentence with, and that means what does that mean? What did that mean? What's that belief? So like, I'm not good enough at diet. And then that means that I'm always going to be stuck in this cycle of failing at the weekend. So I may as well just give up. That's the belief. I want you to try and figure out what that belief was in that moment. But then once you've done that, I want you to write the opposite of that belief. So what would have been the polar opposite of, of, of Gavin's belief on, on that Friday when he's, when he's feeling like he's failed well, I am good enough. I am good enough to do to be a PTI because I work really hard through the week. I stay on track with my diet and I make better decisions. And that means that I value myself higher, that I don't have these binges on the weekend, whatever it is. It's going to unlock and it's going to help you realize like where your head's at in those moments because it's hard to, you don't think about it in the moment, like you're saying before Gavin once you're in it you're in it and it's it, you can't take that out of out of look at yourself but take the time this weekend to just look back at, at that if anything's related to you over this podcast and, and see if you can identify where that's coming from and you're going to create you're going to begin to create greater awareness around the decisions that you're making around the behaviors that you have right now so that you can then make better decisions in the future you can come up with the okay, well, if I feel sad, I'm going to not reach for the chocolate. I'm going to go and do X, Y, and Z, whatever it is instead. And then when it comes to the next time you feel sad or something stresses you out, you mightn't get it right. You mightn't be, you mightn't do. You, you're just starting to change this. 
but you might get it right. And then you're going to be like, fuck, no, I said I wasn't going to get chocolate. I'm going to go and try that other thing and see how that works. And that's... Something you said, you said with um, whenever you went and you stroked a dog, I think there was an important thing that you said in there was that you, that calms you down and that gives you that chemical that your brain needs. So a thing to, a thing to remember as well. So if every time, like me, for example, if I was sad, I would think chocolate. If I was to replace that with carrots, well, that doesn't, that doesn't make me happy. Yeah. You know, so that won't work. You'll still think about chocolate. You could have, and I've tried to do this in the past where I've tried to just eat apples or something like that, where fair enough, I like apples, but it's not going to do the same effect. <laughs> so you're still, even after the apples, you could have five apples, you'll still think about chocolate. It has to be something that gives you that reward system and has to and it has to replace the reward that chocolate did. So it, ha- it, has, yeah. to be, uh, it has to be equal or greater. Ideally, it needs to be greater. It needs to be something that is going to, like if, if you're eating so much chocolate that you're like, triggering this huge dopamine response and then you pick something that kind of makes you feel good you enjoy it like you play on the playstation or you play a game on your phone because i like i like it when i do well on this game it's not the same it's not going to outweigh it so the next time you're in that situation again chocolate's still at the top of that list chocolate's still outweighed that response same with the carrots you like carrots you like apples but the dopamine response from carrots is down here and the dopamine response from chocolates through the roof. So it needs to be something that... Yeah, you'll still think about chocolate even after you've had a bag of carrots or a bag yeah. of apples. Well, it's not going to go away. It doesn't really solve that problem. Um, If you need help figuring out what that is for you, give Gavin a shout, give me a shout, and we'll go through. Because it, it can feel like, well, what the fuck do you mean? Like, what's going to... What what's gonna solve that problem? Do you know what I mean? It, that that will will help will help you go through that. We'll have a little two way conversation about. Well, what things do you do? What do you enjoy? What are your favorite things? What makes you happy? What makes you feel loved? All that kind of stuff, and we'll figure out what specifically for you is gonna override that chocolate craving. Yeah, like I said as well, with um, when I was in it for years and years, and I didn't realize that I was doing. I didn't. I just didn't realize I had disorder or anything disorder. Um. I'm in no position, I'm not a doctor, I'm no position to diagnose anybody, but if anybody is unsure if they have those kind of behaviours, I could kind of say, yeah, that that looks like disordered eating, or to me, that that is symptoms of what I was doing. So if anybody's kind of unsure, if maybe they are doing those same kind of patterns or anything, you can gladly reach out to me and we'll have a chat and I can just say, yeah, that's some of the things that I did and here's some things that you can do. If it's kind of wanted to be more specific to you, I'm happy enough to, to speak to anybody as well. Yeah. Really important point that, and if any of you do realize like light bulb moment, like oh shit, there's some stuff going on here that I, I maybe do need to to look deeper into. Um, we can refer you out to some eating disorder specialist or or like specialists in food relationships. Um, like yeah, actual doctors. The, and stuff the CBT stuff. Was uh, the CBT? Yeah, the cognitive behavioral therapy that was the approach that that I took whenever I was doing the therapy, and that's the approach that most of the books will take as well. Yeah, where you're kind of you, it's actively you're actively doing it yourself. Yeah, through through the the literature and through the help, but it's it's the best way I think. Well, it's the it's the most effective way I think. Cures for eating disorders. I think I read in one of the books. It's, it's almost a hundred percent curable. You know, it's it's just 
you, people get into these ruts where they don't realize what they're doing. And it can be long, long time. People do it their whole lives. Yeah. But if you follow the steps and you're willing to try everything, there's a brilliant podcast as well. Uh, the binge eating podcast. Um, I've listened to in the past. That's that's uh, Celine is the name of the girl. So that that's another brilliant one. If people want to try that, they just get it in the and I'm on the iPhone, so just the podcast. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. We'll link that in the we'll link that in this yeah. in the description as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's a fantastic way to to end the podcast. We're gonna give Gavin some solo episodes in the future. Um, let him run ragged, let him run wild. Um, so if there's anything that you wanna specifically hear us talk about, let us know. Drop Gavin a message, drop me a message, um, drop messages in the group chat. Um, obviously we'll we'll do stuff on deeper dives in nutrition, more stuff around like disordered eating and some stuff around like self-awareness, self-help, like journaling, all that kind of stuff as well. But if there is anything in particular, like, oh, I'd love to know more about this, let us know and we'll 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 put something together about it. As always, thank you very much for listening. Go and have a fantastic rest of your week. Go and be more.